Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? I am ready. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Well, we're going to start out in Georgia. That's where we were. Okay. Last last week we were in Alabama and went to Georgia a bit, and today we're going to start out in Georgia and go all around. Yeah. We are doing the, oh, wait, I'll do my thing first. A runaway orphan, young Sonora, takes a menial job mucking stables in Doc Carver's traveling stunt show. Her greatest wish is to be a diving girl who rides a horse as they dive off a high platform into a tank of water. What, what, what could, go, could wrong? go wrong? We are doing the 1991 film, Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. The Particulars. Aaron, particulars. It was released on May 24th, 1991. It is a Walt Disney Pictures film. It was produced by Matt Williams, who is one of the creators and producers of Home Improvement. He oh. also created the television show Roseanne and was fired after the 13th episode of the first season. Oh. He was also a writer and producer on The Cosby Show and A Different World. And he also produced the films Where the Heart Is and What Women Want. The director is Steve Miner. He directed Friday the 13th, parts two and three. Soul Man, Soul Man which I'm sure is just a bad reheatable the whole film, but I'm very intrigued and might pick it at some point. Uh, Lake Placid, episodes of The Wonder Years, and also Dawson's Creek, to name a oh, few. Oh, I did love Dawson's Creek. I did uh, love Wonder Years. It was written by Matt Williams as well and Ali Sassone, who was mostly known as a director of photography and director. He directed the 1994 film The Fantastic Four and also um, Xena Warrior Princess, that mm. television show. It is based on the 1961 book A Girl and Five Brave Horses by Sonora Webster Carver. The music is based. The music is by Mason Darling Daring, who did The Opposite of Sex, Lone Star, and Where the Heart Is. Director of photography is Darren Okada, who did Mean Girls, Bring It On, Let's Be Cops, and so much more. That guy oh, has wow. done so many films. Uh, the editor is John Pohl, who also did Austin Powers 2 and 3, Meet the Falkers, and was an executive producer on The 40-Year-Old Virgin. This the is cast. a different genre for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The cast is Gab Gabrielle Anwar. She played Sonora Webster. She is, she was born in Britain and uh -huh. like became an American citizen. And like her, her father is, uh, I forget what nationality her father is, but her father's like an editor. And like, and then I think her mom might have been an actress as well. Um, she was in Scent of a Woman for Love or Money on the TV shows Burn Notice and Once Upon a Time, most recently. Oh, really? She's, had, she's been in a lot of things. She, she started acting when she was young and has pretty much kept on acting. I didn't recognize her. Um, well, this was like her, her heyday. It was like the early 90s. Uh, Michael Schoffling... He was Al Carver. 
He was best known for the 1984 film Sixteen Candles. Really? Oh. Mm -hmm. And then he was in Vision Quest and Mermaids. And in Teen Magazine had him the number 22 biggest hunks of the 80s. Oh, interesting. I, I could see that. He, he was quit, very good looking. He quit acting after this. And he went on to produce handcrafted furniture as a woodworking shop owner. Cliff Robertson and Scott Carver. He was he played JFK in the film PT one oh nine, which was made like right when John F. Kennedy was in like the president. So that's a big time role for him. Then he also was Charlie, and that he won the Best Actor Award for that film. He I was remember also- that Academy Awards. He, um, that was when self-promoting had just started, like, you know, sending out to everybody, see this film and vote for me for Best Actor and um, got some little pushback for self-promoting, but it worked. Mm-hmm. He is also most recently he was in um, he was Uncle Ben in the Spider Man trilogy of the early two thousands from two thousand two to two thousand seven. Not as in Uncle Ben of Uncle Ben's Rice. No, Uncle Ben from the Spider Man universe. Uncle Ben. He as flying was a major hobby of his. Um, so much so that when the civil war broke out in Nigeria in 1969, he organized flights and food supplies and medical supplies to Nigeria. Mm. So didn't really hear a lot of people doing that. And then the same thing in 1978 with the Ethiopian famine. And then he was actually flying above New York City on 9-11. Oh my God! Yeah, wow! Like planes and stuff, and then they, you know, then you got the call that like, you need to land right now, now. wherever you are, yeah. wherever you are, or you're going to be shot down. <laughs> yes, no holds barred. Dylan Cussman as Clifford. He was also in Dead Poet Society, Jack Reacher, and uh, most recently, the Clint Eastwood film Richard Jewell, that also starred Kathy Bates, hmm. Kathleen York as Marie. She she was nominated for Best Original Song in the Deep from the 2004 film Crash. Yeah, I I read that, but yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't. She she's also she was also a musician. She was also in Dallas, the television show. She was also in The West Wing and How to Get Away with Murder, among many other credits. Frank Renzulli as Mr. Slater. He was a writer for The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. He also appeared in A Different World in L.A. Law. Nancy, and then finally we have Nancy Moore Atchison, who was Little Iggy. Yeah. She was Little Arnette. I was like, what are the odds? It's the same year, right? Yeah, the same year. So she was also in Fried Green Tomatoes, we mentioned, Midnight Edition, and she was also in The Prince of Tides. And remember, like, last last week, or whenever we did, yeah, last week when we did Fried Green Tomatoes, how I said, like, I don't know, I didn't, re- there was just something about her, never, well, I take all of that back. I have become a, I have, I now love the woman. 
I mean, she's a fantastic child actress. This is one of those things. Like sometimes people rub you the wrong way, but then you open your heart and look what you can find out about them. So she was acting for a, a while. Well, like around this time, doing a whole bunch of stuff. And then she went to college. And, and you know, I found this great article, AL.com. Like, I think it's Alabama.com, but it's actually AL.com. Where it was an interview with her fairly recently. Oh. So, you know, kind of like, oh, catch up and how was it? And she really liked acting and how she got into it and stuff. And then it kind of became a thing where... Like anything with acting, you start getting a lot of... You get more no's than yeses. Mm-hmm. And by the time she was of the age to go to college, she was just like, I just want to go to college and, and you know, do the whole college thing. Um, so she's gone on. She was the director of development at Birmingham Museum of Art. Before that, she worked at the Southern Poverty Law Center. Wow. And she, like, before that, she worked with Brian Stevenson who that's the lawyer that is that just mercy is based upon oh wow at the equal justice initiative and so there's a great al.com article about it and it's like wow she's actually a fantastic yeah. doing the real work out there so i apologize <laughs> she's a fantastic Wait. actress and she kind of plays in in a weird way to the movie that I ended up picking because it was between one or two things, and then I went I went this way, but I'll tell that story when we're all nice and sauced later. So those are the particulars. Well done. Well, now I'm going to set the table. This is a true story. Mm-hmm. It is a Depression era, Sonora. I, I just have to stop here for a moment because I had... My second to last year teaching, I had a little girl named Sonora. I had never heard of it as a child's name before. And I wondered if her mom might have loved this like our Christine did Maybe. when she was younger. But can and I tell you that I didn't know until yesterday that this is a true story. Wow. Well, yeah, I guess you were still settling way. in and getting your popcorn when you missed the. <laughs> Well, you know, they say that over all the things. Yeah, that's true. And you're just kind of like, okay. They say that at the beginning of Fargo every time. Yeah, it's really a true story. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Sonora spelled the same as mine, and her sister, young Iggy, are living with their aunt. And Sonora has a horse named Lightning. Well, because, of course, this is a Disney film, so you know that parents are dead. Just a, just a wake of True. dead parents. Well, in there's the something else that's going to really mess with her. She loves that horse. She is a scrappy, strong-willed girl. Well, she sees an ad in a newspaper for a young girl to dive with horses. And she'd never heard of this before, nor had I until this movie. Nor had I. Well, she because she's scrappy, uh, she gets in trouble at home and at school and she's suspended and she has a horrible teacher and when she gets home her aunt is selling lightning her love horse well i 
yes, but also because she was getting taunted by kids, so she was going to try to have lightning jump over of the fence that was keeping the livestock and cows for the farm, and then the fence broke and all the cows got away, and it's the depression. That's money walking out the door. So, But this is what her aunt says to her. Ever since your mama and daddy died, you've been nothing but trouble. Yeah. Can we, How can we rude. walk that back a little bit? So yeah. really, you're going to sell the horse? I mean, this girl has lost her mommy and daddy. Okay. I could kind of, yeah, because she could have said, look, this is the depression. We don't, it's hard. We don't have anything to eat. We're yeah, just- she said that too, but she was just kind of a bitch about the whole thing. She yeah, said, and she stayed and helped get the cows back. That's why she was late for school. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, well, her aunt says she's sending her off to, you know, foster care. So she runs away to find Doctor Carver and the diving horses. Which also, yeah, her aunt sending her away to foster care, but she's keeping the sister. So she's splitting up. Mm-hmm. The only other person that she has in this world is going to stay. And it's basically like, yeah, you're too much for me. Um, I can't deal with you. We're just oil and water. You need to, you need to go. Right. Good Bye-bye. luck. And um, when she does happen upon the carnival, so many memories. Um, she meets Al, who is Dr. Carver's son. Makes you sound like you were a carny, ma. No, but I. But the carny carnival used to come to our little town every Fourth of July, and it on the on the outside it seemed cool and wonderful, and but that carn that's a hard life. Yeah, and 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 the carny folk have to scrape out their living where they can, and okay, anyway, so. She, uh, she and Al, the, the Dr. Carver's son, have instant chemistry. Um, she tells Dr. Carver that she wants to be a diving, a diver with the horse, and she won't give up. And so she becomes a stable hand. Well, Al evidently has a gambling problem. He comes back with a wild horse, and he tells almost said itchy he tells sonora if she can ride this horse up to his father he will make her a a diving girl so they trained the horse together oh, oh. Well, <laughs> yeah so they yeah they trained the horse and that is your recap i like how you you just I just Stop. dropped it. And that is yeah. a recap. That's a nice succinct recap. I don't I like that. Yeah. Gonna be more precise, trying to cut our time a bit, be more user friendly with mm-hmm. our podcast. So now we are to POC and cast. I counted three people of color. I, I got really, three, I got two. I, I really got four. Checked oh, okay. the carnival to see if there were people of color were not <clears> at <throat> the carnival. Well, that I I will get to that because I did have a account for that. So I have the two black men who bought lightning. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Then I had the two black men who were the grave diggers at Dr. Carver's funeral. Oh, I only oh, had I didn't see those. Yeah. Yeah. They were just in the background. You kind of, yeah, of you had to be looking. Oh, okay. It was, it was the 30s. Like I was. Um, but I did, where did I write this down? Because I did have a count. I had a battle flag of the Northern Virginia yes. flag count. Which was I counted three. I count. Oh, okay. What did I you only count? got one, but I wasn't. I probably wasn't looking. I was it, like, oh, are we gonna have more battle flags than actual black people in this movie? Yeah, mm-hmm. because I, I, but that one that we saw at the carnival, I thought that was the same person, but it could have been other uh, kids with it. They were I, kids. Yeah, I think. I think they, they. Yeah, it was. This is what we're doing. Um, it was Georgia. Yeah, yeah, the South, because then they moved up to Virginia, and I mean, honestly, it was America. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so then we're to power of cast, mm-hmm. right? Um, okay, I have that. There were no black people at the shows. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, just black people just kind of didn't really exist in this. Yeah. Movie That's what year are we? Nineteen thirty-two. Yeah. I was surprised there were no, but you couldn't mingle, I guess. You couldn't be at the yeah. same place. So. But then it's an interesting question of, is it like, this is the picture of the 1930s or is this? This is 1991 Hollywood. movie making. Yeah, this exactly. is Hollywood, which is. Yeah, because I do America. kind of believe like it was like carnivals. I feel like people would have been a bit more mixed because I feel like the people who were going to the carnivals were also probably lower cast anyway. Yeah. So and they were in a lot of like country area. Like, I don't know. It wasn't like they were, they were going to these big cities where this would be enforced more. And I feel like the carny folk were taking anybody's money. If you got, if you mm-hmm. got a nickel, I'll take it. There's a difference between taking money. I mean, the bathrooms, eating, all of that would yeah. definitely be segregated. Oh, the yeah. Water fountain. Don't you feel like that. the carny folk would be more integrated as well? Mm. Or did you do a deep I didn't do a deep dive on that. I didn't do a deep dive, but I could, see, I could see it go either way. I could see it being that maybe like more like behind the scenes, like you shall not be seen kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. taking care of the animals and such. But then I could also see it that this is a lower cast, and the one thing that they have is they have That's that true. position. Yeah. In the cast. At so, least I'm not black. Yeah. Yeah. They. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It's one of those interesting toss-ups. And then, um, okay. So then I kind of am going into a bit of a nerd alert here, but the I I really the the fringe jacket that was given mm-hmm. to Doctor Carver. That was given to him by Buffalo Bill Cody, right? Yeah. So I went into a little bit of a thing about Buffalo Bill Cody because oh, good. completely cast right mm-hmm. there. Also, I would be remiss if I did not mention that I did, in fact, finish all of HBO's Exterminate All the Brutes before I watched this film. And wow. So. Yeah. That film, that docu-series, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's kind of about the masking and the myths around history and the stories that get told and why they get told mm-hmm. and kind of presenting history from 
a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's very evident in, um, you know, Buffalo Bill Cody. So right. he was a civilian scout for the U.S. Army. He ended up receiving the Medal of Honor in 1872. Um, and because? That, because that was, he was always a civilian scout during what is Wikipedia put in quotation marks as the Indian Wars. Right. And this is from Wikipedia. Yeah, because so it, it's all the Indians' fault. It was fought by European governments and colonists and later by the United States and Canadian governments and American and Canadian settlers against various American Indian and First Nation tribes. These conflicts occurred in North America and from the time of the earliest colonial settlements in the 17th century until the early 20th century. Um, And so Buffalo Bill, I mean, yeah, Buffalo Bill, he was a showman and he became one of the most well-known figures of the American Old West. He ended up touring the U.S. And in 1870, in 1887, he toured Great Britain and continental Europe. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because showing like this is the American West, and we've we learned a bit about that as a family because we spent the longest year of our lives in Kansas. Um, it was only is, one year? Which was interesting because as a young family, so as a young family, Buffalo Bill's family lived in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas territory. And mm. his dad was anti-slavery. And if you look at it, because before Kansas was admitted into a state, there's a term called bloody Kansas because there was a big fight over Kansas as to if it was going to be admitted to the Union as a slave state or a non-slave state. Um, and his dad was definitely against it. And they, the family ended up being persecuted by pro-slavery people. The father, His father was actually stabbed twice because he was anti-slavery. And so in order to like protect the family, he kind of like Buffalo Bill kind of had to, to leave and go out. And then he be, went out to become an Indian fighter. So I just thought that, that that's kind of those, like we like to work in binary, like this guy's bad, this guy's good, but his father was anti-slavery, but that, okay. So there's that issue, but then the whole issue of fighting the people who are living on their land peacefully and basically exterminating them so that we could become America. It's mm-hmm. and the way that we're taught it in school is is so quaint and it's just like, oh, there are just a few tribes here. But when you watch exterminate all the brutes, you see how many people and tribes and you it's oh, they're savages. But are like who are the real savages? It's just, it's crazy. The just the gaslighting and the retelling of history to be have it be painted of like, yeah, we did this, but oh, it's just crazy. It's just it was just too much for me. And Buffalo Bill was once played by our very oh. own, yeah, Paul, Paul Newman. Newman. Oh. Uh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
Agreed. All of that is cast. Christine, do you have anything to add? Um, the only thing that I have to add is that there was also the cast between the first diving woman. What was her oh, name? Definitely Marie. And she, Marie, yeah, because she was the standard beautiful woman. And then when Sonora wanted to do it, they were like, you're never like, she was never pretty enough. She wasn't the typical diving woman. She didn't so. have boobs. Yeah. But, but may I say, she had gorgeous eyebrows. I no, she was beautiful. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's, like, completely... I wanted to be her. I know. So Still kind of do. It, yeah. It's ridiculous. You're just like... <laughs> I, that's in my quotables, because it's like, who are you looking at? Cause yeah. I've, I was surprised that Sonora, who was taken on as a stable hand, was then having dinner with uh, the doctor and Marie who had to cook the dinner. Well, I think it was just there was not a lot of people there. And it just doesn't seem to be that much of a really, it was just still kind of like a small operation, you know? Yeah, okay, okay. And probably they felt, because she is an attractive young girl so dr carver and al would probably feel really bad if this attractive young girl is you know oh well like you know she's not in the lower cast so she's it's not like she's oh she's staying in the stables here you know like they're not yeah. treating her like and it, it it helped the movie but again it's based on her real life so um dr carver did find a soft spot for her because i think of her determination and her grit and she did not give up mm -hmm. okay so we are two nerd alerts okay so i'll set the stage again it's 1991 um, 1991, because of something we'll get to later. So if you don't want this movie spoiled, this is a spoiler alert. So you've been warned. But in 1991, the first TVs built with built-in closed captioning were introduced into the United States. Really? Oh, wow. 1991. See, 91 doesn't seem that long ago to me. I know, because I was 11, but it's like 30 years ago. Yeah. That it's crazy that you're just like, yeah. oh. 1991, Rodney King was beaten by the LAPD, mm. wow. videotaped. All the officers were acquitted, and it was on videotape. So just saying. Yeah, I know. That verdict is going to be coming in this week. <sighs> the apartheid ended in South Africa. The Soviet Union dissolves. What could go wrong? Um, the first website was created. Whitney Houston sang the most spectacular version of the Star Spangled Star Banner. At the, at the Super Bowl? At the Super Bowl 35, yes. Um, of course, you know, the United States, the, the first Gulf War was popping off. Um, Silence of the Lambs came out and completely swept the Oscars. So instead of doing movies, because I did that last week, I thought I would do the top five U.S. television programs for 1990. Oh, fun! Mm -hmm. So at number four, there was a tie. It was Home Improvement and Cheers. Uh, Cheers. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Uh, Murphy Brown. Number uh, three. We love Murphy <laughs> Brown. Number two was Roseanne. Mm-hmm. And the number one television program of 1991 was. 
60 minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, 60 minutes been getting this game a minute and still just good. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, did you do, did you have any nerd alerts? I did a, like a kind of a nerd alert for Doc Carver and how yeah. horse diving came, but I kind of figured you had that. Oh yeah, I have a big one on that. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Okay. I have a couple nerd alerts for that. I went down a pretty deep dive for Doc Carver. As did the horses. Um, But first, good one. Um, (laughs) But one of the things that I'm looking at now that I wanted to talk about as a nerd alert was the fever. Because she said that her parents died of Mm -hmm. the fever. But it took me a little bit to determine which fever it was. And I think correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that it was typhoid fever. Mm. Not the scarlet fever? Oh, I don't know. I mean, there are so many things that could kill It seemed like the typhoid fever was pretty bad for people in the 1930s. Okay, yeah. Well, regardless, you're going to learn about the typhoid fever. I don't know. know. Um, So, believe it or not, it impacted poor rural communities who would have ever thought. Um, and those who contracted it reviewed with suspicion and contempt. Hmm. Symptoms are painful and physical in nature and include prolonged fever, nausea, headaches, vomiting, abdominal pain, rashes, diarrhea, and loss of appetite. Well, Does that not, just definitely just sounds like something that could take your life. Not sound like a fun time. Yeah, no. But because of the symptoms, it was sometimes hard to determine that as like COVID... <laughs> You're like, mm-hmm. oh, you could also have malaria or yellow fever. Mm-hmm. So diagnosis was sometimes hard. Wait, there were there were no PCR tests or n- nothing. Yeah, like that? we just had a doctor with a bag that came over to your house <laughs> exactly. uh-huh. and hadn't been to any review. Course. And I would just say, maybe you die, you have a fever, so they might not have known which fever they died yeah. from either. Um, but it, typhoid fever was scientifically understood to be transmitted by bacteria salmonella typhi that can only be carried by humans it was understood that the disease was primarily spread via contaminated water and when cities such as new york city made improvements to their sewer systems and facilitated easier access to clean water instances of typhoid fever decreased dramatically the death rate per 100,000 people due to typhoid fever in the united states dropped from 35.8 in 1900 to 4.9 by 1928 Wow. In addition, wow. several treatments for people with typhoid fever existed, including administering calomel, saline drought, and a spoonful of hot water for hydration with mixed results. <laughs> That's your home <laughs> remedy. That's going to be your home remedy right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they still continued to pop up across the country in the 30s, particularly in rural and poor communities. Yes. Um, uh, and in the 1930s, 65% of typhoid outbreaks in the United States occurred in cities with populations less than 5,000 people. Oh, so wow. the rural residents who did not have ready access to sanitation and clean water were the ones who suffered most. Or so hot water, you know, yeah, your hands yeah. effectively. Um, so just seeing how they, um, it seemed as if Sonora came from a poor rural community Exactly. Mm-hmm. So typhoid fever. 
is what I believe to have killed her parents. Wow. Um, so that's my nerd alert there. Uh, moving on to diving horses. Mm. Which I still have trouble wrapping my, my Look, head. I had no it. idea this movie was true until yesterday. And I <laughs> used to watch it at least once a week. I, I was surprised by the fact that the horses were going off this high dive into this little t- and that you were okay with that. No, I got because I when I was watching I just loved it, animals I was, and I just yeah. thought it was so I wanted to be her. I thought Sonora was so cool. She's really she cool. She is cool. Yeah. And I think part of it was me want me being like 12 and being like nobody else knows this movie. Yeah. This is the movie I'm going to latch on to. No, but I totally it stands did. up for me. I stand beside it. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed my time watching it. I was I, just my mouth was open the whole time going. I know. This and really like, happened. Very I'm very hard between my LVP and my MVP. It's, it was a hard choice. Okay. Yes. So Diving Horses was popular in the mid-1880s, which a horse would dive into a pool of water from as high as 60 feet in the air. Um, I watched footage from 1923 up to 1960. You can watch it online on YouTube. Uh, so... Dot William Dot Carver invented um, horse diving. He worked with Buffalo Bill, as you said, but they had a falling out and became mortal enemies. Yeah, because they were occupying each other's same corner. <laughs> yeah, um, but Doc Carver was a sharpshooter and a dentist. That's how he became Doc. Yep. Uh, so there's two stories that I heard of how he came up with this idea for the sport, if that's what you could call it. The first, I just heard that he was crossing over a river and the bridge broke and his horse dove into the river below and he was so impressed. But if you ask him, he said that he was escaping from a group of bandits when okay. his horse had to jump off of something. Oh. I I could have sworn that it's interesting how he said bandits. I would have thought like this savage, savages. Oh, savage yeah. Indians no, just. <laughs> <after>. <laughs> um. So after whichever one of those things happened, I think the bridge just broke. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came up with, he decided, he figured he could make money off of it. So he was so impressed that the horse didn't drown. Yeah. <laughs> the horse went, oh, he went over willingly, dove into the water and came up. I think he could do it again. Yep. Um, Okay, so he developed this as an act for, like, a carnival-type act. And his son, Al Floyd Carver, helped him construct the ramp and the tower to which of where the horses would dive off of. Um, the first rider was his daughter, Lorena Carver. Um, but then Sonora Webster joined the show in 1924, and later she did marry Al, so just like in the movie, the show became a permanent fixture in Atlantic City's venue called Steel Pier. Mm-hmm. And in 1931, Sonora and her horse Red Lips lost their balance on the platform, and she survived the fall, but was blinded due to detached retinas. I had no idea that was true. Um, 
Yeah, it's kind of wild because I thought that the human body would... Because the reason her retinas were detached was because when she went into the water, her eyes were open. And I didn't think that was physically possible. Yeah. Well, but apparently... Uh, so, uh, the, more into horse diving. Most of the dive, well, all of the people that were on the horses were girls. These men were yeah. like, "We're not getting on these horses. Like, it's way too dangerous." Right. Um, it would, if we, if our men weight was on it, then it would go off, and it, it would mess up the. What I want to know is how did they know how deep the water had to be? I don't think we want to know that. It's, it, I think seems... maybe there was trial. I like to think they figured it out. No, there was no. I'll get to that. There wasn't. Most diving girls did break bones from jumping in the water. <laughs> you know. Um, and eventually, it ha- they had to stop because of pressure from animal rights activists, and they, that led to the act being sh- um, shuttered in the nineteen. 19- 70s 70s well there were animal i read that there were animal rights activists like as soon as this happened oh yeah i'm sure there were excuse me they went on till the 70s and then there was a brief resumption in 1993 amid opposition duh it's 1993 uh, the horses sometimes dove four times a day, seven days a week. Uh, and I did, like, I watched this whole video about how, like, yeah, like, outwardly it didn't seem like anything was really hurting them that much, which amazingly so. But they were still getting, like, internal bruising and, like, bruising and internal bleeding and things like that. Um, then there was another attempt to revive the show in 2012 which was again halted by animal rights activists and petitions. And the president of the Humane Society said, this is a merciful end to a colossally stupid idea. However, in Lake George, New York, at the Magic Forest theme park, it still hosts a remaining diving horse show and has since 1977. It used to be a horse named Rex, and now there's one named Lightning. In a two-month period of tourists coming, it makes two jumps a day. And they insist that there's no prods, no electrical jolts, no trap doors. Um, and I will say, in my in my research with Doc Carver, he is believed to have really loved his horses and always said they got excellent care. And he never was the same. So he had one, not a single horse ever got hurt until one of his horses did a jump into the Atlantic Ocean, Pacific Ocean. And didn't come and drowned, and he was apparently never the same again after that. And he died shortly after. Yeah, and he like was like that, like he couldn't come back from that. So I, in my, you know, it's a terrible thing, and then we'll get to that in my LVP. However, in the 1930s, I'm like, you didn't know, like they didn't know as much. They should have known that. There's no excuse. Yeah, but apparently he did love the horses and like. My thing was, why did she have to jump on him? Why couldn't she ride him? Well, I don't know. And that was a whole thing that I watched in one video about how it really is like animal abuse. Because when you look at the thing, like people are like, they love to do it. But when you look at the thing that they're running up, there's no way for them to turn around. So once they get on the ramp, that's it. Like, and horses are such like submissive creatures that they're going to 
do whatever you want. Like if they're, if, you know, if you claim that a horse likes anything, it's the same thing as like horses still being rode around central park. Like, yes. Yes. How are you going to say they like it? You can't talk to them. Exactly. They're an animal. They can't communicate and say, you know what? Actually, I don't like this. This And nobody wants to, like, that's fucking terrifying jumping from 60 feet. They didn't want to do it. It's terrifying. It's terrible. That is kind of the, the interesting thing is that Doc Carver, he believed that he was treating like he was treating his horses great and fantastic but what is his version of great and fantastic well yeah and i think it's the same thing of like i saw somebody post on facebook about remember i can't somebody i went to high school with and i don't remember this field trip they were like remember we used to go to this field trip to this one plantation and they would always talk to us about how they treated their slaves so great yeah not that it's the same thing but it's like okay, your version of I treated these people great. So slave owners also said they, like, treated their slaves great. It, exactly. You know. It goes into the, and I'll bring it up again, the whole exterminate all the brutes, it goes into that history thing of there are people who they knew the horrible thing and they knew the truth about it. They knew, yeah. as far as, like, speaking with, like, the indigenous people, how... There were they would make treaty after treaty after treaty with all yeah. different tribes and one after another knew that they were gonna break it, break exactly. it, break it, break it. Exactly. Knew that they were just going to and then there were people who knew about that, but then I how do I how do I explain to my child that there were people here and we slaughtered them? Well, yeah. we'll make them into savages. Mm-hmm. They were savage, they were uncivilized, they what is this? Like they wanted to kill us. They would scalp children and all of that. And it's just the story that we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better. Mm-hmm. And then that story gets passed down and passed down and passed down until you, before you know it, you're, you know, you're, you're looking at the situation that it is. And it's like, I wonder what it would have been like if we had just been honest and be like, yeah, we did. We made a horrible mistake. How about all of your descendants go to college on us? Maybe they don't want to because that's the white man's education. Right. But at right. least like do like you do something. But no, it's just kick the can. Just kick it down. It'll be fine. Sweep it yeah, under the rug. Yeah. yeah. Well, because yeah. visually we can tell the difference between you and us. And so it's really easy to differentiate and say, I, I re, it reminds me of beloved. Remember the movie beloved, the book, beloved. but um, how the character that Oprah played killed her two children rather than have them grow up in slavery. And everybody was, well, see, she's a, she's, she's a savage. She's, She's a barbarian. She killed her children. So they didn't have to grow up in slavery. Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah. And I I still think that, I think Doc Carver probably knew the bad of it. But Sonora, I think, was naive to that. I agree. Yeah. One of the believe it. Well, and, I think because he, it, like it's also, we can't overlook that it's, it's the Great Depression. It's, exactly. It's, yeah, you're trying to stay alive and make money yeah. and keep um have another nerd alert, but it's 
It's my also my MVP. Okay, so you can put okay. a pin in it. Okay, I'll put a pin in it. So we are two reheatables. Um, Cliff Robertson's wig. Oh, just his frizzy mullet. Oh, that was bad. Okay. It was really bad. I was uh, looking at that and I'm like, Aaron, take mental note. Do not become that. Like, I was staring at my future. Other people's negative reheatables? Okay. That bitch child is teacher. Yes. Like, you can't be that petty and be a teacher. No. Well, you can be, and there are plenty. Joanne Bilta. Yes. No. I'm out there. Uh, on the record? She's retired. She don't give a F. She she might not even still be alive. And and I can guarantee you she's not listening to this. And you know what? True. Like, she was horrible to my brother. So I second She that. made my brother feel like he was retarded. Yeah. And he came home saying, Mommy, I didn't know I was retarded. So, yeah, I'm putting your her on kids. black. Both of your kids. Steven, edit that out. Um, the nerve of her aunt to ask her to help with supper after she's saying she's giving her to the state. Yes. She's like, all right, come on, get your shit together, help me with supper now. Yes. <laughs> I'm kicking you out of my house. Now fix me dinner. Yeah. And, and then- I'm keeping your sister. The only I didn't get past this part of the movie, but I just wrote using whips on horses. I mean humans too, but in this instance, horses. Yeah. Well, like training them and stuff, and the yeah, yeah whip them. Yes. So those are my negatives. Agreed. I have nostalgic racism, like yes. that. I, this movie does play into that because mm-hmm. it, it does give the whole ah those were the days yes and then, and then in your mind you're or man those were the days what's not being shown or, mm-hmm. or people who have submissive roles and are in the background aka cat to play their role I had I had the same thing as teeny about the Disney oh Look, I loved Al. Mad crush on Al. But that Al seemed like he was really old to me. And Sonora, played by Gabrielle Anwar, she was 21 when when she made this, but she looked like she was 13 to me. I agree. Yeah, she was supposed to be 15 in the movie, and he was really old. Yeah. And so that was... Yeah. When I heard that he quit acting after this, I was like, you know, I think that was a wise move. I didn't feel like his acting was quite up to her. No. no. And he reminded me of Billy Crudup, but Billy Crudup is such a better actor. Right. It just He was a cross between him and, like, and the guy who was in The Rocketeer, and he's, you, you've seen him. He he's just always like the dark hair. He has the dark hair. He looks just like him. Like you picture that guy, and you picture Billy Crudup, and then in the middle is this Michael guy. So I I feel like he knew the writing was on the wall. Yeah, I mean he would he would do great, and then it would be like at the very end of the scene, it would just drop off a bit for me. So um, I feel like oh. she carried him a lot. Mm-hmm. The fire breather. 
guy and mm-hmm. he was in a turban but he was just a white guy mm-hmm. doing the fire breathing uh, yeah and at least it was a fire breather i thought it was gonna be a a, a snake oh, a cobra yeah. oh oh yeah because of the turban um how did they practice i just they how did this film get made in 1991 how did what this film get made? made. How did they actually have the horses? I don't think they did. And they only filmed it from, like, they didn't do any, like, special effects or anything like that. They only filmed it from, like, straight on. So I think that there was things that they did that they didn't actually have to tie any horses. Okay. Because the or did horse, you... every time he went in the water, he'd, like, it looked like his neck took the brunt of his impact into the water. I thought, how is he not breaking his neck? I I, okay. I don't know. I don't know. I think on the jumps, that looked um, not real to me. But well, yeah, I don't jump. think they actually... I don't... That would make me happy if the horses didn't actually do that. Like, if they... I can't, I can't imagine they did that in real life with Disney. Well, with Disney, I believe it. But, like, in 1991. Yes. I think that, that they're... That, in order for them, I think that by 2021 standards, what they used to shoot this would be there. We would have some some nits to pick with with some of the uh, what they did. But if we're looking at like, yeah, we're making a movie about horse diving that of what they did in the 30s and it's 1991. Mm-hmm. I think that that it was more in the best interest of the horse, but it's still filmmaking uh-huh. and it's still 1991. So I don't yeah, think that... because 1993, they were going to bring it back. Yeah. And I mean, just there was that great HBO show called lucky that was about horse racing and all these horses died and they put the, they were like, that's it. Nope. One season. Uh-huh. And I, I like that show, but I don't, I, I'm not mad. I mean, you can't, if you can't make your show without killing horses, then I'm going to have to get over it. That's fine. The bathing suits of 1930s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Even for the men. Yeah. I don't, I don't get that. Mm. And finally, this is one that it could go either way. The fact that. What do we think about the fact that she hid her blindness? Yeah, I thought, well, actually, I thought that's a great marketing ploy. Not not only is she grabbing onto this horse as he's going into the water, she's blind, too. Right. But she's hiding it. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know. I think that I don't think I could answer that. I think that's only something that she could answer. Like, I, I think but, that's, that's up to the blind person's discretion. Exactly, Maybe, exactly. Like, if you didn't want people to know that, or if you wanted to use it as, like, yeah, look at this. I'm doing this as fucking blind. But some people yeah. don't. I think it's kind of admirable that she didn't want people to be like, oh, my God, look at the blind girl doing this. Exactly. Like, look, I'm normal like any of you other people. Yeah. I agree. Not a disability. But yeah. then I also have the, the, the second mind of where at the same time, because both of these things can be true, it wasn't until 1991 that closed captioning is built into right. television sets. So you yes. just kind of wonder, well, maybe if she had been, look, I'm blind, would would that have um, 
like uh sped up that process yeah, american with forward, disabilities yeah. But yeah. probably not. Just but I agree yeah. that it's up to her. This is a true story. It's up to her mm-hmm. how she wants to tell her story. And, and this didn't go the way she wanted it to go. Yeah. And also... She was not happy. Is it, is it that impressed? Like, I think from a marketing standpoint, but when you really think of it, is maybe being blind a bit of an advantage? Yeah, you don't have to see not her. Not to gone. have to see that. Mm-hmm. Just... <sighs> Agreed. Just what I'm just throwing <laughs> out there. So those were my negative reheatables. Okay, so we're to positive reheatables. Hmm? My number one, numero uno, is the beach. <sighs> yeah. The beach, sand between your toes, the waves rushing in. The feeling like you'll never be there again. <sighs> but we are. We're all going to be together. Damn it, it's going to happen. And I, I thought the director of photography or whatever, I really, I thought it, I really liked, you know, when Cliff Robertson, you know, passes on, because the lady knows when it's time to leave. <laughs> the, uh, the dandelion, I liked that. Like others would probably think, well, that was kind of, you know, convoluted or, but I liked it. No, I liked the photography. I liked mm-hmm. all of it. Uh-huh. And he, this guy has such a vast career when you look at the things he shot. It's just like, wow, he's done so much stuff. And, and little stuff that you don't expect to see in this. There were lots of, of just shots of how um, desolate the depression was and dusty. And, you know, I mean, there were just little shots mm-hmm. in it that were really impressive. I agree. Christine? Mine were all the punches and slaps. I counted at least four. Oh, a punch? (laughs) She belongs in this I counted one punch, one slap, and two stupid old man big punches. Yes. But when Sonora punches Clarabelle, that was the best one. It was. Clarabelle freaking deserved it. Clarabelle was a bitch. Um, Sonora holding her paper that high for that long when she yes. was like with her teacher, like that's hard work. Yes, mm-hmm. I did like the fringe jacket. That's it's a thing where, yes, I I do. I don't like know if it was authentic. It might have been bad, but I did like it. That's the problem with all of that stuff over in Kansas. I really liked it, mm-hmm. but then it's also. There's another side of history to that. Yes. And there's the stuff that was made for tourists to buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is not. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. But, you know, the, let them make their money. Go ahead. Have the tourists buy it. Yeah. At least yeah. you're getting some money out of as it. As long as you're buying it from the right people. Exactly. Sonora's riding outfit with the green pants where she was like trying to jump on the horse for I mean I loved all of Sonora's outfits to be honest. What are those she called? Had some great pants. Jodhpurs or something? I think those are called the pants Hitler drove into the ground. Just yeah. what I'm gonna yeah. say. I don't know. They had a great silhouette for me. I loved them. I know, and there's lots of thigh room. And she had some like I liked that she would wear a loose flowy, like a loose top tuck tucked in the front like mm-hmm. armpits aren't gonna be too sweaty mm-hmm. yeah color outfits i even like the dress that she started out in yeah like, me too home in they reminded you know? me of the dress was from fried green tomatoes 
Exactly. Mm -hmm. If she can wash it once in a while. Yeah. I felt like it might be kind of stinky, but. Um, <laughs> carnivals. Just seemed like a fun time. Yeah. I'm I sure they were not. And that, what was that show on HBO? Remember that show, Carnival? Oh, yes. 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 I would like to go back and rewatch that. Yeah. I don't remember it that much. Because there, yeah, it was, there were, the, the carnival that came through Blue Ash, Ohio on July 4th was like, and we would just go down, I mean, my mom would just send us down there. You want to go to the carnival? Go ahead and go. And the, the men working those, the rides that were thrown up in 15 minutes and work, yeah. it was like, Okay, well, we'll go down there, but I don't know if I'm coming home. Yeah, it's a positive and a negative, but positive because you freaking made a, found a way to make money. Yes, yes. That wasn't a multi-level marketing scheme. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then Atlantic City. I tell you what, Adam and I frequently talk about Atlantic City is the only place we could ever afford to buy a beach house, and it doesn't seem like a bad deal. Maybe it'll come back. You know? I mean, well, Chris Christie tried to bring it back, as did, you know, Donald. Uh, we went last year, and we had a fine time. We stayed at a little beach house, like a 10-minute, 15-minute Uber ride from, from the casinos. Short little walk to the beach. I mean, it was in January, February, so we didn't go to the beach much, but, you know. Yeah. I think you would just want to know about the due, due diligence regarding the rising tides. So, yes. it's, you know, you're kind of in a, it's a race. Is it going to come back in time before? Yes. You know, it's just a, a, yeah. it's, a it's a slow moving uh, yeah. thriller of a film. <laughs> I'll start making uh, it. I mean, you know, and I had always thought of Atlantic City as being like a depressing Las Vegas, but when we went, it really wasn't. But it's no Las Vegas. You just have to know that this is what you're getting into. But at Las Vegas, can you go to the casino and then go to a beach later on? No, you can't. No. Can Ocean you spend the day at the beach and end it at a casino? You sure can't. No, and that's yeah. pretty great. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you just got to get past the jerseyness of it. I kid. I, I have a great I kid. <laughs> Yeah, like, is is the New Jersey what's holding back Atlantic City? I kid, I kid, I kid. <laughs> Aaron, um, positive reheatables. Have we done positive reheatables. Um, when <laughs> she put the bag on her head to oh, walk, yeah. And I was just like, shout out to New Orleans Saints fans of the 80s, because that's where I learned about the bag in the head. I remember watching football and be like, why do they have bags on their heads, Papa? And he's like, because their team stinks and they don't want to be seen cheering for them. And I was like, oh, wow, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, I once went to my mom dropped me off at a movie with a boy one time and I had this group of friends that my mom was unrightfully not happy with me being because they were like dyed hair you know blue hair mm -hmm. like they were like the goth kids and I was like about it mm -hmm. and I was like I gotta go to the movies with these people and Brandon 
was the boy that I was going to see. But um, the one guy, he had just dyed his hair blue and his mom made him wear a paper bag over his head. So then my mom dropped me off at the movies and there was a boy with a paper bag on his head getting out of the car that I was going to go meet. Yeah. Wow. I feel like the brown paper bag does more harm than... Yes! Yes! Mm-hmm. Just re- also, if uh, this could go on my negative repeatables, but she just cut her hair to the length that Arnett's was already. Arnett's yeah. have long hair. Oh, I have that, yeah. And then when she gets made fun of, because they're like, who cut your hair? It's horrible. And <laughs> yeah. Back, like the shot where it cuts back, her hair is perfect salon quality. Yes, yes, wow. it was. Just the color, the cut, mm-hmm. how it's laying. It's it's really funny. Like, oh, that's a horrible haircut? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I have the punch. Um, at first, if at first you don't succeed, Try, try again. That's her gumption. Her, because it's very rare that you're gonna be able to do something just the first time you ever do it and Mm -hmm. you nail it. Yeah, you're gonna fail, and then you just keep trying. And then the final one. Um, I just thought of this when we were recording the like the carnival as um a metaphor for America. Oh, you know, because the, the the carnival and it's hey, you know, I gotta make some money, and so the, it's that it's that push and pull between making money, but then they're also building these rides, and is the is the foundation kind of rickety, and the whole caste system within the carnival, mm-hmm. and it's you're just like, oh man, it's and it's going on to to different taking land from people. And then it's just, it's just, it's just a very interesting metaphor to look into. It is. Yeah. It's just a carnival. Uh, um, The the promise of like, if you can, if you, if you can get to here, it's a dream comes true. All of your dreams. This is where anything can happen. You can pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Anyone can be anything. And if you can't make it here, just walk into the ocean and keep walking, because that's the end of it. There there you go. Okay, we are to quotables. I did mine. Mm. Ever since your mama and daddy died, you've been nothing but trouble. Damn. I have that. And I can't remember exactly what else came before and after this quote, but how bad things were and how good times... Need to be just around the corner. My notes. How good times. Right. It looked like I wrote riced. Riced. Right around the corner. How maybe right. How bad things were and how good times. Something to be right around just around the corner. Uh-huh. There's gonna be good times coming, guys. Um <laughs> When Marie told her, well, having no natural beauty of your own, you really need to help yourself. Yes. That bitch. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who is she looking at? Yeah. Excuse me? And I thought Marie was kind of freaking ugly. Marie was nothing with all of her makeup. And... If she didn't have her makeup on, she had a really skinny face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And then I, mean, I did love the scene with uh, her, with Sonora and Doc. And she's, when they, she was trying the horse and she said, you're going to cry? He said, you're going to cry? And she said, I never cry. He said, good. And, and see Cliff Robertson, true, true actor. Like you could see in his eyes, he, he was just like, yeah, she's what I need. This is going to yeah. work. I have from Dr. Carver. Well, she didn't quit. Yes. <laughs> Makes me think of one time um, when Adam and I were leaving a bar, I believe with Donald, and I may have had a lot to drink. This is probably 10 years ago. Um, and I, it was back, it was long enough ago that I was wearing stilettos to the bar. Oh, oh my God. And it. so wow. I had taken them off and I was walking probably in glass and rocks and who knows what. And I think Donald said something to Adam about like, you know, you should like help her out. And he said, well, she ain't screaming, is she? <laughs> And just my let son. me keep let me keep walking barefoot through glass. My son. He would have said the same to his mother. No, she yeah. ain't screaming, is she? <laughs> oh my god. Yep. Uh, oh, that's such an Adam thing to say. <laughs> I'm so proud right now. <laughs> but just know he would say the same about his mother. <laughs> I know. Oh. I have, um, well, I can do it because I can do anything. Oh, yeah, that was good. Mm -hmm. Well, I can do it because I can do anything. And then I as well have the I never cry because I'm a, <laughs> You're going to cry? I, I, I never, never cry. <laughs> <laughs> I took all your if tears only. <laughs> I wish. That's the part of this movie that I wish. I was, <gasps> look at Sonora. She never cries. Yeah. She just like literally like they buried the man that just died under the tree. Gave her everything. Nothing. She's just sitting there somber. Meanwhile, I'm like, what is this? Because she's like Lucille Bluth and she cannot spare the moisture. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess, although she didn't seem to have an alcohol issue. So those were my quotes. Okay, LVP. I have, they, they wanted to revive Diving Horses in 1993. Where they wanted to do it, the land would be leased from twice impeached, one term only, uh, Donald yeah. Trump. So he did listen to um, the, the activists who said, let's not do this anymore. But there are, st in somewhere in New York, there are still diving horses. Lake George? Lake yep. George. That's an LVP for me. Yeah, my LVP is using animals for sport, any yeah. kind of sport, horse diving, going around Central Park. Why the fuck do we need Central Park? Right. So horses anymore circuses um, with the animals animal circuses yeah. zoo, some of the zoos even zoos are like depressing to me now yeah dog fighting cock fighting yes uh, but i did not know that animals are or, sorry horses are especially submissive which makes them easy to bullying so it's one oh. of the reasons that they're used for all of these things 
have a confession to make. Oh, God. This is not a good <laughs> Oh, let's take a drink. <laughs> I, like, you know, being a little girl, there was like little girls and horses. I mean, my my father's from Kentucky. That's horse country. He's from I, Lexington, which is yeah. totally horse country. I think that, like, I'm not saying that I don't like them. It's like, because I do in the way that I like animals but I feel horses make me feel weird I think they're weird and I don't understand them like for some reason I well I guess because also it's their it's their little legs I don't understand the yeah, well, that the was too. yeah. Of, of their bodies yeah. How they're so big and powerful right. and stuff but then they have their Which little legs. also is I'm wondering I don't, I mean, I read, I didn't read much about breaking bones and stuff, but you'd think that their bones would break a lot more of like diving with their big bodies and then their little yes. legs going underneath. Yeah. Their and because if you break, if you're a horse and you break your leg, you're dead. Right. That's yeah. Your glue. You got to go to the. Glue. And like one of the things that I was reading when they were talking about horse diving was like, think about it. Like if you're a human, but okay. So this led me down a rabbit hole of YouTube Ooh. where it got into high diving as humans and i watched a video of um this man oh crap i can't remember his name li xiao shuang is it was a chinese gymnast li shuang no it wasn't him oh my gosh i can't remember his name but he had like the high he jumped from 172 feet and did a dive but so then it took me down this like um black hole of watching humans high dive and i did i watched this whole video of like these poor four people who didn't who got tricked into high diving kind of like they like did them off of 10 meters and then they brought them to this other place and then we're like now you're gonna show you how to jump off of 40 meters or whatever um which i would never fucking do but they were talking about then bringing it back to horses like as a human you can understand and think in your head like i know i need to land xyz way so that i don't belly flop because you know we all know how bad just a belly flop hurts from just jumping off the side of a pool but yeah. imagine doing that from 40 to 60 feet in the air right. and like horses right. don't know that they're just like jumping off of the thing and you know most of the time they got it right i'm sure but like how bad that like they, i'm sure they did some belly flops yeah and they yeah. again they can't say it it's it just boggled my mind because I'm already of the mind of like horses are weird to me. And also when I was in first or second grade, remember little Suzanne, she had her like she was into horses and the horse stomped on her head and it almost killed her. Yeah. I mean, she went on to be fantastically almost genius level smart and stuff, but I've just, they're always so big. There's, you just see all of their muscles and mm -hmm. they have these little legs and I'm, and you don't know what they're thinking. I'm not scared of horses, but I'm definitely not somebody who's like, Oh, the horses, like horses aren't like dogs to me. Mm. Right. Right. His name was Nick Winters. He jumped from 172 feet. But remember, there's that thing, that Norwegian sport. Norway death diving competition. Yes. I watched it. I watched it when I was going down my thing. Yes. We... Which Norwegians are just wild. They were showing, like, that I watched the competition. 
and they just jump. It's not from very high, especially when you look at how high these horses were jumping from. They're not jumping very high. They just do crazy shit when they're jumping into the water. Yeah, they have these different moves that they do, and then they go, but they make sure. Yeah, they it's basically have- like. When you ski and you jump off of, like, in the Olympics and you see skiers right, jump off right. of the cliff and they do all these different poses and shit before they can go yeah. down. Right. But they're doing that jumping off of a diving board it's basically area. what Adam has done at every pool he's ever been at. Yeah. That's what they do. And remember, because we were all on the group text message when we discovered it on ESPN. This was in the, the midst of the pandemic because there were no sports to show, so they were showing the, the Norwegian death diving, and we all got into it. The woman with oh, the leopard. Oh yeah, hair. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I went down. Yeah, I watched some of that yesterday. Okay, so that's my LVP. Oh, What's your LVP? My LVP. I went with Wild Bill. Okay. Wild Bill Cody and just the whole. Uh, frontierism thing and and making that into the history and but how we just completely ignore this other history of right. what has what really happened and just the, the amount of empathy of like well put yourself like why don't you look at the story from their point of view and how horrible and awful that is and also the thing about it's like, oh, they wouldn't give this up, but in Exterminate All the Brutes, there's this one thing where they quote somebody from it, and they were like, I don't understand why you're physically slaughtering us when we would have gladly shared. It shared. Shared. Because, because they view the land and stuff. The land doesn't belong to them. The yeah. land is being borrowed from the gods, and so you need to treat the land with respect yeah it was like no there's a price on this and this is ours and just the whole money over it and then then calling them savages and it's like who are the real savages Mm -hmm. Mm. i would bring that up when we studied the first americans in second grade i mean because like look at it from a different perspective and you might not and it's uncomfortable but sit in it because that's a story. So we are to MVPs. My MVP is Sonora's strong will and mm-hmm. not give up goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you said that because my MVP is Sonora Webster Carver and I did a deep dive on her. Yes. Mm-hmm. So here we go. She was born in Waycross, Georgia on February 2nd, 1904. And she actually had a normal childhood, unlike the childhood portrayed in the movie. Wait, her parents didn't die of the fever? Nope. She wasn't sent out on her own? Nope. Oh. And her mother actually found the ad in the newspaper looking for a horse diving girl. So her mother's the one that kind of put her onto this. Um, and Sonora thought that it would be a good way to get her out of poverty. So that's why she ended up pursuing it, because she Every came from a poor family. And hustle. Yeah. She wanted to get out of poverty. Um, so she was quoted, she told her sister, she was quoted by saying, the Disney movie made a big deal about having the courage to go on, or this is from her sister, I'm sorry, her sister, Annette. The Disney little movie, itchy. what? Little itchy. Yeah, but in real life. 
Um, the Disney movie made a big deal about her having the courage to go on riding after she lost her sight. But the truth was, riding the horse was the most fun you could have, and we just loved it, so we didn't want to give it up. Once you were on the horse, there really wasn't much to do but hold on. The horse was in charge. She did, I mean, all the other stuff was true about her getting involved, and she lost her eyesight um, from her retinas being detached. But she re she performed for 11 years blind, and the audience did not know that she was blind. And she retired at the age of 38 from horse diving. And after her retirement, she moved to New Orleans with her husband, Al, and um, improved her Braille skills and landed a job as a dictaphone typist in 19 until 1979. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. She wrote her memoirs titled A Girl and Five Brave Horses, which I now want to read. Um, but she was very disappointed in the movie. And she said, the only thing true in it was that I rode diving horses, I went blind, and I continued to ride for another 11 years without the crowd knowing. And she did not like how the movie portrayed her. Uh, oh, I, I forgot to say this earlier when Annette, her sister did say one time in an interview, wherever we went, the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals was always snooping around trying to find out if we were doing anything that was cruel to animals. They never found anything because those horses lived the life of Riley. Don't know what that means. And yeah. um, all the years of act, on all the years of the act, there was never a horse that was injured. So take that with what you will. That's just what they said. Um, but I just thought Sonora was fascinating. Her she lived until 2003, so she was 99 years old when she died. Wow. And her nephew said. She represented courage, fearlessness, but also the fun of the times. My aunt was a fiercely independent woman who would not let her blindness be a detriment to living a full life. Outstanding. Yeah. Nice. Well, the life of Riley, I mean, it's an expression meaning an easy, carefree life. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's not mm -hmm. easy, carefree. No, there's life. not. Yeah. So All right. Gave, well, they gave the horses lots but of. But that's how they perceived it, I guess. Right. I don't right, know. Right. I just my MVP was ditto what Christine just said. So are we finished with quotables? We are done with. We're MVP. finished with LB MVPs. Oh yes, we are. So we are to MVP. Oh uh, no, no, we did MVPs. We so did we that. are to recasting. Guess who yeah. didn't do one? Well, the entire time I watched this. Um, Sonora gave me a total Emma Stone vibe. Really? Total oh. Emma Stone vibe. Because they they kind of physically to me don't really look the same at all. But I, if you but I could kind of I guess in spunk and personality and girl gumption, which is just gumption, I see it. So to Emma Stone, my Al is Darren Chris. He, I could see that. He yeah. was in Glee, and then he was uh, Andrew Cunanan. Yeah. So I feel like he could handle anything. I feel like he might could handle Al a little bit better. Oh. And then my, doc my doctor Carver gave me a total Kurt Russell vibe. Yes. That's what that that was my recasting. All right. Well, I've stumbled upon one of my favorite gimmicks for the recasting, 
and that is when I did the crisscross. And so in 1991, a film that we have previously done on Gone with the Bushes also came out. It was a remake. It was by Martin Scorsese. It was 1991's Cape Fear. So I recasted this movie with the cast from Cape Fear. So I have Juliette Lewis as Sonora. Okay. I have Nick Nolte as Doc. Okay. And this is creepy, but hey, I have Robert De Niro as Al. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, there we're going to just go into Tasty Nuggets right now so nobody has to think about that. <laughs> I think it's great to think about. It's hilarious. It's, okay. it's definitely a more intense... You, you definitely feel a little bit more for Sonora and feel for her safety with De Niro. Because also wow. I'm picturing the De Niro in like as he as he was playing the Max Katie, so he's all tatted up and he's doing the pull-ups. Oh, Aaron, you went really <laughs> dark. It just made me laugh. I couldn't figure out the oh, cat. Oh wow. Okay. So tasty nuggets. Uh, my thing was why did she have to jump on? Why couldn't she ride the horse from the bottom all the way up and and go into the water? Was that part of the suspense of it would she be able to latch on to the horse i think you know what i think maybe there's two things that came to my mind simultaneously one was that the rickety ass contraption brand hold the weight wouldn't hold the weight okay and my second would be in like a horse behavior kind of thing where Maybe the horse would just stop and like wouldn't go up. Oh, like maybe mm-hmm. the horse was running to her. Oh, oh that uh, makes sense. And then she had to jump on it. Good yeah. point. So that's okay. Just, nothing to support that. Just theories. And when she had to jump on it, it was probably it was like already kind of taking off and a leap. Mm-hmm. So like it was able to get like a better jump, a better running start. Yes. Some more yes. momentum. You could go faster before she jumped on it. Without the added weight of yeah. extra pounds. And the the horses aren't really jumping so much as they're um it's just falling. falling. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So yes. they just get to the top and there's nothing there and then it's it that it's that's just it's so mentally messed up. I don't all understand how it couldn't be. Just Burt Reynolds turned down the role of Doc Carver, mm-hmm. which I think was only to the betterment of the film. Mm. Um, the parts of Atlantic City were actually filmed in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I've never been to Myrtle Beach, only heard stories. You have been to Myrtle Beach. You just oh, I don't have, remember. I have been. I was just too adorable to know. Yeah. <laughs> where, where to sit and pee and wherever you wanted to. Oh, they hated me so much. <laughs> Those were my tasties. I have zero. I have, okay, I don't know if this is true, but I have that one of the screenwriters, the Ollie guy, who wasn't really a screenwriter, he was more of a director and a director of photography, so I I wondered how he got into screenwriting this, Um, but then I read this tasty nugget, and it kind of makes sense, but I'm not sure how much of it is true. 
that Ali, that that guy, he was volunteering at the Lighthouse for the Blind, and he met an elderly blind woman who, turns out, she it was Sonora Carver, and in her youth, she was the diving horse girl at Atlantic City, and so she became the inspiration behind it. But then when I'm doing more of my Tasty Nuggets, it's like, yeah, she wrote a book in 1961. So both of these things can be true, that the guy came yeah. and that's how he heard about it, and then that's how he looked into it and found her book and then made it a Disney movie. All right, so... That is our movie this week, Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. Still stands up for me. It it stood up for me, too. I, I still it was, enjoyed it. It was fascinating. It was. I'm guessing that I missed this movie because we were in Germany when it came out. That's what I'm thinking. And then, because if I look at the poster of it, I was like, there's no way I'd rent this poster with her and wild hearts can't be broken it's a disney film i think i I got it i think i bought it at the discount i think a few weeks a few weeks ago we were talking about how we used to buy the discount like for you know three for ten dollar movies at hollywood video blockbuster i think i got it in that very possible and then just became obsessed with it yeah Mm mm-hmm not obsessed enough to find out. I mean, the internet wasn't really a thing, so how would right, I have known yeah. if it was a true story? Right. Yeah. You what just... am I gonna just trust Disney? No. <laughs> it's, it's true. So, Aaron, <laughs> next week will be. Oh man! So there were two. Okay, so when I was looking into um, Nancy, I forget what her married name is because she got married, so it. It's young Iggy, who was young Arnett. And then remember, like, I looked and I was like, oh, my gosh, she's worked for the Southern Poverty Law Center. Right, and, like, right. she's actually a fantastic human being. Um, when I was reading the article about her, it said that because she was in The Prince of Tides with and that was directed by Barbara Streisand. And she it said was. how Barbara Streisand was so nice to her and um gave her a nice gift and stuff and and let her sit on her lap and stuff and like explained i know that that like the way i said it made it sound creepy no but it not was... creepy no but she seems to like total business to me and so the fact that she was very kind to a young girl is well, a good look yeah it was kind i read it from the article and the way that she presented it was that barbara streisand was like very nice to her and um, wanted to see, like, this was a young girl who's acting, and it was important for Barbara Streisand to see her, this young girl, to see Barbara Streisand directing a feature film. And, yeah. like, that you can, because that's not something that you can right. see. And it, and it definitely did make an impression on her. And Mary Louise Parker was super nice to her as well in the set of Fried Green Tomatoes. And she was also in, a, I believe, a movie about the Selma bus boycott. Um, oh, with wow. Whoopi Goldberg and stuff. Yeah, so she was doing a lot of acting. And um, it ended up... I don't, I forget who it was that saw her and gave passed the picture on to her agent. It was somebody. Might not have been, but I want to say it was Faye Dunaway. Might not have been. Don't hold me to it. Like, saw and passed it on to her agent. And her agent... Like, that's how she got an agent. And it was the whole thing of because she had the Tatum O'Neill quality uh-huh. of a young Tatum O'Neill. And we, but see, Ma, because we haven't done Paper Moon, but I've seen Paper Moon. 
And I was going to pick that, but there's another movie by the same director that's more famous that I have not seen and that we have not done. And the author of it recently passed away. So it's a film by Peter Bogdanovich, because Peter Bogdanovich did Paper Moon with Tatum O'Neill and Ryder O'Neill, which I promise we will do, but that's yeah. not my pick. I want my $500! Because I haven't seen his 1971 film that's based in Texas. Do you know what it is? Did you listen to You Must Remember This? No, I was listening to an older You Must Remember This. All right. Well, I'm picking 1971's The Last Picture Show. The Last Picture Show, Sybil Shepherd. Yes, and mm-hmm. uh, an adaptation of Larry McMurtry novel. I've never heard of it. And Larry McMurtry just recently passed away. And we have done another Larry McMurtry novel because I believe he wrote HUD, but he's most famous for writing Lonesome Dove and this. What's it called again? The Last last Picture Show. And it was in the 70s. It was quite a film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 1971. So we're going to go to a 1950s Texas town. What could go wrong? (laughs) What could go wrong? (laughs) (laughs) All right, listeners. We hope you enjoyed our film this week. And next week is The Last Picture Show. Bye-bye.